0: welcome to football scotland daily the podcast that brings you all the big news analysis and debate monday to friday just in time for your daily commute i'm johnny mcfarlane and with me today are the writers behind football scotland he's the man first of all that is behind all the twitter funnies at old firm facts it's adam miller hey you didn't? and jules captain howdy boyle all right So, on the pod today, we're going to discuss yesterday's Titanic-Glasgow derby, we're going to look into Michael Beale, the Rangers coach's comments regarding the physicality inherent in Scottish football, and finally, we're going to ask what's next for Dundee as they sack their manager, Jim McIntyre. Now, Adam, you watched the game yesterday, I can tell by your tweets, what did you make of the general performance from both sides? Um, I think it told a story about how far Rangers
1: have come and how far Celtic have slipped. I think even in the last game in March, you could sense that even though Celtic did what they needed to do and won the game, I think the fact that Rangers imploded in the way that they did in terms of their discipline and the late James Forrest goal sort of deflected somewhat from what would have been a bit of an inquest into Neil Lennon at the time. There were... There were around that game, there were a few dissenting voices and those have got a lot louder after yesterday's game. I think uh, yesterday Rangers never looked under any pressure at all and uh, I was out having dinner with a friend of mine last night, he was a Rangers fan, and he was saying to me he went into that match expecting to win, which is a major difference, I think, between even a few months ago and now. So he went into that game expecting Rangers to win and Rangers played as if they expected to win The first goal really just sucked the life out of Celtic and I don't think there was ever any point where they looked like coming into it. Maybe the last 15 minutes or so of the first half, they had more possession, but they never really created anything particularly
0: clear-cut and Rangers didn't really seem to be under any pressure. And that's the thing, isn't it, Jules? It was such a poor performance by Celtic from beginning to end. Rangers really suffocated the life out of them and they didn't really get an opportunity to play. Do you think it was a tactical thing that basically Stephen Gerrard outfoxed Neil
2: Lennon or was it more that just Celtic players the big names didn't show up on the day? Um, I think it's a combination of all those things I mean obviously the Celtic big names they didn't show up on the day I mean three of them weren't even there at all which is a major factor we can get to um, I think teams this season it's not just Gerard the teams this season have sussed out how to beat Celtic and that's get up in their face don't let them get time on the ball don't let them do their game and, and it works do I mean, and over and over a game i have seen it and you do that to Celtic a lot of times this season and they, they can't cope with it do I mean, they cannot cope with it at all then you factor in the fact that Rangers had more to prove for a start they were hungry they're wanting it they're at home they've got 50,000 fans there they want to set their marker they want to do this thing Celtic you know were awful like completely awful But they have won the league And psychologically There is almost that element Of foot off the gas
0: But it was an important game From Neil Lennon Because at the end of the day He's struggling now To get the Celtic job Isn't he I mean he is not going to be Accepted by Celtic fans Even
2: if he wins That Scottish Cup Is he Potentially Some, some of the are Some of them aren't it's, it's more divided now Than it was last week but it it, it wasn't a, de- a decisive game for the players. It was for Neil then, he wasn't on the pitch. And you think you saw his face? He looked quite. He wasn't as animated as usual. Even for the start, he wasn't as barking orders as much. He wasn't there. The players, I mean, they said themselves they weren't doing what the first goal. They weren't doing what they were meant to do. They weren't in position. They didn't look as if they had any heart or bite in it. Um, and it didn't help. I mean, you're missing Christie, you're missing Tierney, you're missing um, James Forrest. It's huge. Three are the best players the, they will ever have in the pitch, um, in this team. And you're not only that. You're replacing them not with all right players for state in, You're replacing them with people the actual, you know, an actual dud like you know Oliver Burke. Do you know what I mean things like that? So not only you're losing your best. Oliver Burke, is a dud. He's a thirty dug. million transfer fee. Thirty fees. million, it's insane. The man, the man's first touched a curb. You I mean it's like a, a, every single thing. He, he does is wrong. He gets it wrong every single time. You give him the ball and it pings off his feet. There's he,
0: talent
2: there. Come on. There, there's talent in there for for maybe like I don't know, like cross country running or something. Like <laughs> he's, he's you know he, he can it can kick a ball. He give him the ball yesterday. One thing he got the ball yesterday. Somebody passed on a great pass to him and he fired it right back. Almost like he didn't want it. He doesn't seem to want to run. He gets an opportunity in front of goal when the goal's open wide and and it just goes wherever. It doesn't look. Confident, but it doesn't look as if he knows what to do his decision making is insane every time he's got a decision to make up near the box it's the wrong one
0: Adam there was a little bit of a twitter spat and I know you're the man for twitter spats in the <laughs> days leading up to the game when I think it was a Celtic fan podcast asked a question at Neil Lennon's uh, press conference about uh, how he was going to cope with Rangers pressing and Neil Lennon gave them a little bit of a short shrift for that, yeah. but then didn't have an answer to that very question during the game. Well, as she pointed out in her tweet yesterday,
1: uh, now we know why he didn't answer the question. <laughs> um, I, th- I think with Lennon, there's a there's an element of Celtic fans, no matter how poor the performances are this season, that will always reflect on the se- the, the years of service he's given the club as a player and as a manager in both spells, and they'll say, here's a guy who gets it, here's a guy who understands what Celtic are about, um, he's passionate, he knows the history, etc. Et and those are, that, that's valid, I get that. And you want people like that in and around the club. At the same time, I think if you're thinking long-term about the the direction a club's going in, you have to approach that dispassionately. And I think Lennon has proven this season he's done enough to get Celtic where they need to be. But a large part of that, as much as Celtic fans wouldn't want to hear it necessarily, is down to Brendan Rodgers. Of course. Coming back, I've I've written about this today and I've said it before. I, I think the most crucial period of this season in terms of where the titles ended up was coming out of the winter break. Rangers went into that with all the momentum, having won that game in December. They added Defoe and Davis and people, not just Rangers fans, but your Chris Sutton's, Charlie Nicholas's, Celtic, ex-Celtic guys were out in the in the press saying this is Rangers' title to lose or Rangers are at least in a very, very good position here. And the first thing Rangers did when they came back in the league was squander that momentum with a defeat against Kilmarnock. Uh, Rodgers, on the other hand, got Celtic playing better than they had been going into the break and put together a run of, I think, 12 wins out of 13 games and the other was a draw that was enough to kill the league off. Lennon came in, didn't rock the boat too much, managed to get them over the line in most games, but there were, even the games the Celtic were winning, generally unconvincing performances. A few really drab nil-nils chucked in, and a result like yesterday was probably on the cards for a while, I would say. And uh, as much as I completely understand the idea that you want Celtic-minded people around the club. I think you have to have a sort of more open-minded approach than that. And I think there's a big difference in, uh, after yesterday's game, as opposed to before it, in terms of the the feeling among Celtic fans. Where Neil Lennon's concerned, I think most people now have come round to the idea that he's not the full, the permanent candidate. Let's draw
0: into the detail on that because there is a lot of Celtic fans, if we judge by social media, who are not happy at the prospect of Neil Lennon now mm-hmm. staying on as permanent boss. Do you think, if you look at Neil Lennon's record, uh, Jules, that he has done anything really wrong since he stepped in? He has only lost one game. It's like in the home of the most bitter rivals of the club, the second best team in the league. They've done very, very well on the Cup. They've put out Hibs at uh, Easter Road. They've beaten Aberdeen, who are a very good side, and have put out Rangers in the Cup. So mm. we know that they have some quality there. If they win this Cup final, it's a treble-treble.
2: Are people yeah. maybe a, getting a little bit ahead of themselves? I don't know. I, don't, I think I think that's something important to think about is. As like Adam said, hey, Rodgers after the break put this run together and started getting the thing there. There was games in that that weren't convincing as well. There was a lot of getting over the edge. There was a lot of grinding out. And before Christmas, there was like four away losses, which was you know more than last year in total. You know Celtic haven't been on sparkling form all season really. They've been flat out deceive at times, but they have a ton, had an insane amount of injuries. They've been obviously a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes with Rogers and Peter Law and the team and things like that. I think that's obvious now. And I that's think bit, Lennon,
0: Lennon when he made his comment last week. When he said there was discontent, mm-hmm. that was the quote behind mm-hmm. the scene. That, yeah. that that alludes to something yeah, there. there doesn't there's
2: it? stuff been going on there, hundred percent. The team have really the fact that they're still they're, they're about to go for a treble treble here. The fact that after everything have been through and what's been grown with them is quite amazing. Still, um, they're still there. And Lennon's came in. If, if anyone else came in from Brendan Ranaway... away and, you know, left the club in that sort of disarray, that could have felt a bit... So if that was some random manager coming in, that could have just went and gone, and it would have been disastrous for that club. And Lennon was probably the only guy that could come in who knows the club, knows the players, knows knows the, what's expected, and, and gets over the line. Not in any particularly glamorous, exciting terms, but he's, he's done it, you know, just... But, you know, maybe even Rodgers would have done the same. But it kind of, I think the problem is, after such a marquee manager and they've spent money on them and they've backed them up to a point where obviously they fell out to go I think a lot of people who go back to Lennon would feel going from you know stepping up to get a Porsche and then going and get your next car and thinking oh that wee Polo will do it still gets me work and it's, you know what I mean it's come back to that and that's no disrespect to Neil Lennon
0: no disrespect but, to Neil Lennon
2: at yes. all I mean comparing him to a, a polo, a, a polo. <laughs> but you know from that world of big you know, that sort of management you know what I mean and the, the polo does its job well and you can't really slag it And my if mate, Neil Lennon's a polo what's uh, Brendan Rogers?
1: is there a car called a snake <laughs> <laughs> hey,
2: I'm, I've, I, no I can't possibly. you need to have a think about it. no no i thought a great joke and I can't use it um <laughs> Um, yeah, don't, don't. No, exactly. So, but I, I, I think the, 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 My main concern for that would be, if some big marquee manager is going to come in, they're going to come in and saying, "I want backed to a certain level," or I'm not doing it. To the extent that Gerard who wasn't a marquee manager, but a big name, has always done it. Rangers he's getting backed, and it's working out right for him. And my worry is the board, if they gave it to Neil Lennon, would say, "You know, this is what you're getting," and oh. they wouldn't get back the same way. And that's the issue because it really needs it.
0: Well let's drill into Rangers for a while Adam mm-hmm. I mean Stephen Gerrard's come in Rookie manager That was a big deal at the time A lot of people were talking about that But he's come in And he's uh, taken the club to the Europa League He's established them comfortably in second place Won two games at Ibrox Against their bitter rivals Who they couldn't beat for, for, for what feels like many a year How do you assess where they are Going into this big season for them Where they have to try and stop nine in a row For a second time? I think in
1: I, I think there's a possibility that future generations might look back at this season as like the first season of Breaking Bad. Um, in the sense that whenever people say to you, get into Breaking Bad, they always say the first season's got a few bumps in the road. It's not all brilliant, but it lays the foundations for something fantastic. I'm not necessarily saying that it's always going to be fantastic with Stephen Gerrard at Rangers, but the first thing that he's done this season is I'm not going to say the banter years are over, but he's instilled this a, a, a bit more of a sense of professionalism. I do quite often disagree with some of the things he says in the press. I don't always agree with things like when he came out in March after the Celtic game and you know was crying about Scott Brown, this, that and the other. But in general, he's got Rangers playing a slightly more professional game. Uh, he's made those advances in Europe. He's also... Uh, he's also put them in a position where I would say the last three Derbys, Rangers have been the better side. Both times at Ibrox by a long distance. I think the scoreline at Celtic Park in March, uh, as I said earlier, has sort of covered up a lot of issues with Neil Lennon and his team that day. The fact the Rangers were down to 10 men for the best part of an hour and for large parts of the second half didn't look like the team missing a player. Um, I think he's shown the the, la- the main thing that's lacking in Rangers at the moment is consistency um, also squad depth as well but they've shown an ability to not look overawed in these big games so the days I think, the big change is that Rangers fans aren't going into those games expecting to be turned over 4-0 or 5-0, as was happening on more than one occasion in the last few years. I think the fact that Rangers fans were able to go into yesterday's game with a degree of confidence and see that borne out in what happened on the pitch, I think that is the is our biggest testament to what Gerard's done. So if you put that's if you said that next season the state the Celtic manager will be Neil Lennon and the Celtic squad will be the same one that it is just now I would say Rangers would be favourites to win the league next season but that is categorically not going to happen Celtic will overhaul things dramatically in terms of the squad um, I don't see Lennon being the manager either But well, so, with that
0: comes obviously the the possibility of upheaval and uh, a little bit of uh, uncertainty there for Celtic
1: that, that is a possibility it can work both ways I think Celtic definitely needs some sort of freshener in there I think it looks looking at the Performances, not just in terms of the ability of the squad. You look at the it looked laboured yesterday with Celtic. There were guys who you know they weren't racing to get back into position. Mm. Um the, the one that springs to mind was Tolian. He just he just did not look interested at times. Um so that's not just an ability thing, that's a mentality that needs to change in their squad. I think they've become used to not having much of a challenge domestically, Celtic. Um what Gerard has now given them. He didn't give them a serious run for the title this season, but at times he suggested that they could. And now he's put them in a position where the momentum, or or some momentum is with Rangers going into next season... And what happens in the summer is gonna be vital. But I think
0: the main thing Gerard's done is give Rangers back a bit of confidence. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna move we're gonna move on now to a topic that's much broader for Scottish football. It has come from an interview with Rangers first team coach Michael Beal. We're carrying the story today on the Football Scotland website if you want to check it out. The gist of the story is that Beal has said to Heart and Hand Podcast, as a Rangers fan podcast, he's done an hour-long interview with them and he's gone into great detail about why he feels that the refereeing in this country is allowing physicality to thrive at the expense of skill he's talked about how about 10 years ago premier league clubs went and changed their uh, the way they refereed games brought it in line with the champions league and that has helped skillful players skillful teams like manchester city to improve and become genuine genuine uh, contenders for the top honours not just in the Premier League but in Europe. Jules what do you think about this thesis? Is the Scottish game allowed to be too physical
2: by the referees and should
0: this be something
2: we are looking to change? I think obviously it is a famously physical game and players come up here and think they're going to boss the older players or like that and it is really tough and it always has been. And, it's, and you can see that changing in other places. Does that inhibit skill? Um, I think it must. But I think the issue there, what you are looking at, is more the referees. I think. I think it's more the referees. It's down to them, and we do have a more of a problem with, you know, the competency of referees.
0: Because Adam, you look at the new generation of English talent: Trent mm-hmm. Alexander-Arnold, Delhi mm. Ali, Harry Kane. They're all technically superb. Yeah. So is Andy Robertson? though. he's Scottish. Yeah. Um, I would say,
1: you know, there is only so much referees can do. This is not something that uh, has suddenly become an issue. That has suddenly become a physical game. It's always mm. been in Scotch football. It's always, and that's embedded in the culture of Scottish football. I think that any attempt to move Scotch football towards a more sort skill, of skill focused, uh, kind of ideology has to start when boys are kicking the ball about when they're five, six, at five, six, and seven. I mean, I'm no expert on this, but we there, there are some great articles out there with people talking about how to revolutionise, you know, to eight under ten football games where you've got parents on the sidelines shouting at boys to get stuck in and hoof it up the park, and the result matters more than embedding these philosophies of skill and positional sense and all the rest of it. Um, I think with, with that kind of thing, I think there needs to be a shift in the mentality of the parents that bring their, child, their, their, their children to these games and stop them focusing on winning at all costs. So yeah. is,
0: is part of that not how we in the media also um, go around criticising and praising managers? So, for example, there's a lot of praise for Derek McInnes. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of praise for him for the way he pragmatically goes around his game. Steve Clark this season, phenomenal results pragmatist we on the other hand tend to look at someone like John Hughes like someone like Kenny Shields who played a much nicer on the eye brand of football and sort of say oh that guy he's a bit of a fraud he talks a good game but you know like and we focus on you know the fact that Kenny Shields lost 8-2 when he was at Morton or John Hughes had a bad time at Wraith Rovers because culturally we love a pragmatist. We love someone who can defend what they have rather than someone who builds something like a Pep Guardiola. Well, that's going to take years of a ch-
1: to, for people to shift their mentality there. And ultimately, football is a game about winning. And if you ask most fans, they would say, ideally, we would love to see our team stroking the ball about the midfield and playing killer passes and all the rest of it. But ultimately, if you said to them, it's that and no trophies, or we grind out... Yeah, you know, for want of a better example, this Neil Lennon Celtic team they're almost certainly going to come away with a treble treble this year, but how many memorable performances are there going to be? So there's a discussion there's a there's a question to be asked of Celtic fans there. Would you rather Celtic took the hit this season and just won, say, the League Cup playing sparkling football? Or would you or would you say we'd rather the Treble Treble, the eighth successive title, hopefully for Celtic fans on the way to ten in a row? and say, you know, we've got the, the scrappy last-minute Scott Brown winners over Kilmarnock?
2: Right, well, I I, th- I think it's a good question. I think, though, if you ask any Celtic fan or Rangers, fan Rangers who've endured eight years now of Celtic winning the league and Celtic fans who endured nine in a row not that long ago of that time, you would take any win over... You would love sparkling football. Absolutely. Hey, Listen, there's no, there's
0: no right and wrong way to play football. We're not saying that. What we're saying is... I think yesterday the r- was the wrong way to play football. <laughs> 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 <What>? <laughs> should well, the referees be refereeing Scottish football to a different standard that they might referee a Champions League tie should we accept that as Scottish football
2: aficionados that our game is refereed to a different standard because Michael Beale says it is I think so I, th- I think I mean, what you we were saying there a um, couple of you know, the example a couple years ago the young Scottish footballers are been t- taught um, early doors of skill and, and that this is the thing that changes when they're older um, I watched Celtic 2006s, a couple of years ago, when they played my son's 2004 team, they annihilated them. They were just back up for playing Man City's 2004s, annihilated them nine now. and they came as two years younger. I under. don't like this under. I, uh, I used to, I'm used to under 12, <laughs> under 15. What's this 2004 thing that started? It's just how you engage it. What age they are? Is this because I'm so old? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, on on. so basically, Sorry. that so there were little guys, but they were they were incredible to watch. They were really. My son's team were two years older and just couldn't get near them. But the coach told us. This was one of the few times they'd done any training with a ball because they never train with balls. They never train with games. They just all do passing and technique and skill, and that's what they do all the time. And you watch it, and you could see it. They were just a tw- 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 spark their movement, their vision, their control of the ball. And then when they go and play, that's what the game was all about. It was all about. It was not about the physicality. It was all about skill and all this sort of stuff. At some point, that's changing. At that age, that's what they're doing, and all these kids, all, all these that's what they do. But at some point, it's changing into this physical different way, the Scottish way of playing football and I think if you're going to expect referees to referee differently here, something has to be changing the culture of football, it's just that's, you know, everything would have to change for the referees to suddenly do it and you also have to get them to get it right. Okay, well we're going to move on
0: now to what's happening at Dundee, Jim McIntyre sacked at the weekend after he finally won a game, he'd just gone 10 games without a win which was equaling the worst ever run of results for the Dens Park Club. Now, Jim McIntyre, another man that has his friends. um, A lot of people saying that he's been unfairly treated. Um, 12.9% win rate. (laughs) I find it remarkable, honestly.
2: Unfairly treated by God, perhaps.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I think it's hard to describe anyone as unfairly treated if your description of them includes the sentence, worst ever run. So... um, (laughs) You know, you're never, you're never happy to see anyone lose their job. But I don't think with a record like that, you can have too many complaints. Nah.
0: I mean, I think the argument, Jules, is that um, Neil McCann left them a basket case. But at the same left time... many people a basket case. <laughs> <laughs> um, at the same time, 12 players brought in in January, very little improvement in results. Neil McCann, at the very, very least had a commitment to getting the ball down and passing it around. Mm-hmm. It might not have worked very well, <laughs> but it was actually reasonably pleasing to watch, whereas McIntyre has gone back to the sort of rudimentary, long ball,
2: direct, up and at on style. So what has he actually achieved? I don't think he's achieved anything. I think, obviously, uh, and you can look at it, I mean, they've brought, as you say, they've brought in those players. The recruitment's got... They've got the recruitment wrong again. They've obviously got the manager. It looks like he didn't really have any never mind the plan B you don't mind the plan A hoof up and do that sort of thing they're you know, ready right in the grubber and if, you, if a team's in that situation where they are and they have been for quite some time now you need someone to come in with a bit of inspiration a bit of character a bit of flair a bit of you know, good recruitment a bit of, you need, everything needs to kind of come in and you might still not do great but you, you start pulling up and a wee bit of belief and that will snowball hopefully and get them like that and what's come in is none of those things none of those things have obviously happened and you're not hiding nothing not entirely his fault but partly do you know what I mean so yeah not
0: entirely his fault that's possibly fair given that in the last 23 23 years Dundee have sacked all 13 (laughs) of their managers so there's a little bit of background in terms of that being a, a crisis kind of club Adam do you think that looking at the way their ownership has um, has developed over the last few years, they've gone from the fans back to these Americans that people don't really know that much about in terms of their overall overarching plans for the club, there's a potential for a new stadium. Is there a, is there a sense that McIntyre has come into the club at the wrong time, that it is a bit of a basket case? I think it's not a it's not particularly attractive proposition
1: for Managers who are looking for a job. I think for them to have sacked two managers in the same season, for them to have sacked, what was that, 13? 13 and 23 a row. years. Yeah. You're not looking at that going, that that's going to be me settled for the next few years. And as you're t- you know, you talking about the, the changes and uh, the Americans and all the rest of that, I, I don't think anyone goes into that thinking, you know, I'm going to have full autonomy over transfers, uh, over, you know, over the, the most important things in the manager's role. Um, so I think there needs to be more stability.
0: Mm. And in terms of uh, one of the excuses that I've seen, um, I think Dundee fans have pretty much universally given it short shrift. But this situation with Billy Dodds, you know, Jim McIntyre and Dodds very much a partnership. And, uh, of course, back in the day when Dundee were going through their financial troubles, Billy Dodds was involved in voting down a CVA for Dundee to come out of uh, administration, something that made him persona non grata with Dundee fans. And therefore but it was mooted that Dodds would join McIntyre. Dundee fans were very vociferous in their outlook that that should not be the case. Is it fair, Jules, to say that you need to give the man you're appointing the autonomy to hire whoever he wants as his backroom staff? Do you think... McIntyre has a fair point If he turns around and says Well I wanted Billy Dodds We're part of a team How can you expect me To be able to work Without Billy Dodds As part of the team For me it doesn't wash No You should be able to deal With different staff
2: yeah. If you're a decent manager Exactly And, and also as well You know if, if For any manager You need the fans on the side You kind of co talk them You kind of just You know like them dictate but you need you, you, a club like that that really needs a bit of goodwill and a bit of support, a bit of a belief, and it come in with someone like that knowing full well how that's going to go down. I mean, sister, on that, that's never going to fly. Do you know what I mean? And we can probably give, you know, some examples of other clubs when there's a, one person saying, imagine he came in, it just wouldn't. You know, you need a bit of goodwill, you need a bit of belief, and that's just it's insane. And if that's if he's using that as an excuse for a reason why it's went wrong, do you know what I mean? Well, it's not. Not, not very good if, if you know no, nothing works without Dodds do you know what I mean Adam I've got a name for
0: you mm-hmm. he's a man who's won the Scottish Cup he has a commitment to passing attractive football that fans will enjoy he's won the championship as a manager John Hughes for Dundee what do you think
1: I'll take John Hughes for any job that gives John Hughes more interviews
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> any other names that come to mind Jules See, that's the problem. I think you've got uh, a club like Dundee. Got you have to feel a bit of sympathy for them. As Adam touched on there, it's a poison chalice of a club, um, and it's not just who would be good for them. It's who they could possibly get. Because if you're a manager and you're out of work and you're looking for a new club, you look at that and think, you know, that's a kicking the bo- the home of us for my career. Do you know what I mean? It's you know that is not a good thing. I guarantee it's no security. Everyone gets sacked at some point. You know that. Who's going to be up for it? Who's going to be listed to take that? Kind of, in a lot of ways, actually similar to the Scotland job and a lesser extent the Celtic job. Is this he, not one of these cliches or Jules, that you hear, oh, who's going to take the job? Who There'll wants be it? be cue the length of Sucky Hall Street to who's take this good? job. Who's For the a decent manager that's going to fix the situation that they've got, which is really, really difficult. Because a lot of top managers would struggle with what they've got there. Never mind someone that's going, okay, and, and that sort of level. That's a, that's a tough, tough, tough job that whoever takes it to deal with.
0: Let's go Max Cliché. How would Jose Mourinho get on a Dundee, Adam? Um,
1: that's, that's a good question. <laughs> I suppose it depends what Dundee's philosophy on female doctors is. But, um, I, I think, uh, as, as I've said on numerous occasions, I will take Jose Mourinho in any Scottish football job.
0: Yes, we're certainly big fans of the idea that Jose comes to Scotland. But that's all from us here at Football Scotland for today. We'll be back tomorrow before 4pm, just in time for your daily work commute to make it that little bit more bearable. You can get more from us at the Football Scotland website or our social media channels on Facebook and Twitter at football underscore Scott. To ask a question or make a comment to us individually, you can get me at Johnny R. McFarlane. You can get Jules. Captain underscore Howdy. You can get Adam. Old Firm Facts 1. Until tomorrow, thanks for listening.